It's about moving away from these systems of oppression towards being in harmony with our indigenous wisdom and collective liberation. Um, like it's a lifestyle that requires a lot of slowing down. Are you ready to dive deep into your desires, your thoughts, and your fears? Do you want to heal the body while also healing the mind? Are you tired of being seen as symptoms rather than a whole person? If this sounds like you, join me in holistic health coaching. I use a blend of the seen and the unseen, the scientific and the spiritual, the practical with the mystical to help you find healing. Through my work, I blend my practical knowledge and experience in mental health and addiction counseling, assessments, and health coaching with spirituality, ritual, embodiment, and going within. I am not a healer, but rather I am the catalyst that will help you ground and access your innate wisdom as we embark on your healing journey together. A coaching session with me may incorporate embodiment techniques, guided meditation, listening and learning from each other, meeting inner archetypes, assessing attachment styles, utilizing mindfulness, assessing health and lifestyle, incorporating mental health tools, and much more. Go to empoweredspirituality.online to claim your free consultation today. This is the Empowered Spirituality Podcast, the podcast about inclusive spirituality. Empowered Spirituality is all about connecting and aligning to your own higher self. All religions, spiritual practices and beliefs, sexual orientations, gender identities and expressions are welcomed and celebrated here. I am your host, Samantha Nagel, owner of and coach at Empowered Spirituality, LLC. Every Wednesday, I will share a guided meditation practice, and every Thursday, I will share inspirational teachings or interviews with people with different spiritual practices, beliefs, and opinions. Come every week with an open mind, taking what you like and leaving the rest. Welcome to Empowered Spirituality. Today I am joined by the founders of the Women of Color Summit. The Women of Color Summit is an equitable community organization focused on creating brave and inclusionary spaces for women and non-binary people of color to share stories and knowledge as well as make impactful change. The Women of Color Summit was co-founded by Harpender Mann, she, her, a Sikh Buddhist Punjabi American yoga and meditation teacher currently living on Tongva land, and Irene Lowe, she, her, a Taiwanese Canadian asana facilitator and tarot reader who lives on the unceded territory of the Coast Salish people. Hi, Harpender, and hi, Irene. Thank you, and welcome. <laughs> Hi, Samantha. It's so good to be here. Thank you for having us on. Well, thank you so much, Samantha. We're so excited to chat with you today. Thank you. I'm excited to be here with you both. And for those of you not Irene and Harpenter, uh, we had some technical issues. So you both have been so patient and so lovely. So I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah of course. We actually, um, funnily enough, we're having, because we have a podcast as well, the Women of Color Summit podcast. Um, and we're having our own difficulties recording the podcast. And we're like, you know what? This week, we're not releasing an episode because we just like we had a group program that just finished up and we have an anniversary celebration coming up next week. And it was like, OK, we have to extend ourselves a little grace. And what's coming off our plate is this week's episode. So when we were having these struggles today with technology, it was just like, OK, we get it. We've been there. Wow. And congratulations on all that you've just accomplished in this uh, season. Um, and I, I gave a brief uh, definition, I suppose, of or introduction of the Women of Color Summit. Um, but can you both tell me a little bit more about that? And um, I know that you do a podcast as well as events. So I'd love to hear anything you want to share about the Women of Color Summit. 
Yeah, so um, the Women of Color Summit started last year, um, and Harpender already mentioned it, but our anniversary, our first summit anniversary is actually coming up on July 27th. And by the time this episode is released, that'll be a long time ago, but... <laughs> <laughs> And um, yeah, we started it uh, last year um, because we were seeing a lot of online virtual summits pop up in the wellness space that featured a lot of the same um, homogenous homogenous looking people. And we wanted to um, incorporate uh, what we learned in our decolonization mentorship with Costanza, Eliana, Chinea, and fuse that with um, some offerings that we wanted to bring to the community we want to serve, which is Black, Indigenous, uh, women of color, as well as non-binary people of color. And so we created the art of creative living, um, and that was uh, that happened uh, online for six days, and um, we followed that up uh, this February with the art of authentic living, and. Mm -hmm. And we have been offering seasonal group programs. Um, we just wrapped up the summer cohort, Deepening Your Spiritual Practices and Community. And we are now looking to fill in the winter cohort that starts in November. So registration will be open by the time this episode comes out. And we also have a podcast um, currently in the midst of season two, um, as well as monthly new moon gatherings. I don't know if I'm missing anything. <laughs> Yeah, with the art of authentic living, we even had something where we said, join us on a journey of remembrance as we weave between the seen and unseen. Um, I think mm -hmm. a lot of this work of also connecting to our authentic self, um, I think we can also understand that as like our true nature, um, yeah. like our highest self and like connecting to that. There's a lot of inner work that has to happen that's not always like, physically manifested in terms of like us being able to see with our eyes yeah. um and so it's like this inner work and it's also understanding for ourselves like inside what parts of ourselves are we trying to push away or shaming mm -hmm. or naming bad um and how do we how do we invite and one of my yoga teachers i've been studying with now for the last like over a year now um, uses this description that I absolutely love is how do we so all the different parts of ourselves say are villagers and we're this like village internally um, and if one of your villagers is like the grumpy villager and say sometimes we get grumpy and like we don't want to do anything we don't want to talk to anyone but as a society we shame that because we're like no we need to be productive you need to be um so gregarious and like extroverted and everyone loves you and you're charming and we celebrate that as a society but how about when we don't want to talk to anyone and we feel bad and my teacher describes it as like, how do we also invite that villager to the celebration, to the party, mm -hmm. to the gathering? And it's like, we just accept people for as they are and accepting parts of ourselves as they are without judgment. So it's not like mm -hmm. when I'm feeling jealous or I'm, um, that those things are bad. It's just part of human nature. And how do we just accept it as, as it is without having to pretend? Um, mm. yeah. And like um, another point I like to add is like, what was the tagline when we went with for the art of authentic living? It was social justice plus healing, uh, social justice plus wellness equals collective healing. And I think mm -hmm. this goes back to um, what is the foundation of the summit, but that we really went with the stronger messaging um, with our second summit, which is that um, we need to incorporate social justice into healing, into mm -hmm. wellness. And like that, that is part of the shadow work, right? Like we need to be able to start seeing um, what are the worldviews, what are the narratives, what are the myths, what are the scripts that we have sort of imbibed without even becoming aware. Like, you know, there's that saying like, oh, you drank the Kool-Aid. And it's like, yeah, we've all been drinking the Kool-Aid because we're in a society, <laughs> like, you know? Yeah. It's not just um, a fringe thing. It's like we, we've all been drinking the Kool-Aid because we live under the society that um, favors white men. Um, wow, thank you, Irene. Um, I think that's so 
such a powerful point that to be creative, we have to live authentically and to, and I, I feel like when I hear living authentically, I, I picture something external, but it sounds like you're also talking about how to live authentically internally as well. Mm, yeah, exactly. Um, the internal and the external, um, you know, there's, it, they feed into each other, right? Like there's a harmony mm -hmm a dance that's happening between the two at all times. So, yeah. And you also started to get into the um, idea of social justice and incorporating that into our healing. Um, so I'm, I'm wondering if you can expand on why it's important to incorporate social justice into healing. Yeah, so um, I think I was sort of alluding to this, but it's really important to acknowledge that we need to have social justice education um, when we're healing work because like there's like this assumption that because we're in wellness, like we all have good intentions and we want to serve everyone. Um, but it doesn't shake out like that. You know, the wellness space is like every other space in our society where our worldview is very much colonized by Western thinking, where we have biases that prevent um, certain people, certain groups from having opportunities, from having their voices elevated, from having their thinking celebrated and credited. And so it's very important that we start to unpack that because we are being purposely and willfully ignorant if we think that um, we don't have to educate ourselves um, and that the work is enough. Um, I think that there's a lot of toxic new age thinking that happens in the wellness space. And so um, that's why it's important, I think. And in terms of like how we can incorporate um, social justice into our healing work, I think the first step is educating yourself, right? Like finding BIWOC um, social justice educators, liberation educators that are out there, you know, and supporting their work financially, you know, and also sharing their work with others. Um, but in terms of like questions that you can think for yourself and reflect if you are someone who is in the healing space or just in general, really. It's like um, the, asking yourself these questions of like, how are you contributing to the erasure of indigenous voices and traditional lineage? How are you trying to commodify this practice? Who are you trying to serve? Um, and are those people only the people who have the financial wallets to pay for your offerings? Um, mm -hmm. Centering the worldview of the colonizer and could what you are offering be considered um, a product of white savior complex, you know? And currently I think of all is like, how would you feel and how would you react if you're held accountable to your actions? Um, because the thing is, is that like, we are all capable of harm. We can all be targets or um, agents of oppression. And so really what we're trying to do here is to reduce the harm. And if we cause harm, then we want to know and be accountable for it. Um, so yeah, those are sort of some questions that is kind of good to start thinking about how you are contributing to this toxic new age thinking mm -hmm. in the space. Thank you, Irene. And um, you mentioned toxic new age thinking a couple of times, and I think I know what you're talking about. Um, but I feel like it's important to talk about because especially with social media, I think we start to see a lot of it by people who are uh, like almost spiritual influencers. Um, so I was wondering if you could maybe talk about what you mean by that. This is actually really funny because I feel like me and Harbinger were just talking about this earlier today. And like, what did you say? You said, Harbinger said, um, just because you have a million followers on Instagram doesn't mean that you are a good teacher or a leader. It just means that you're good at marketing. <laughs> um, and so I think that when it comes to new age influencers on social media, like, numbers don't really mean too much, right? Because at a certain point, this person has a team of, uh, has a content team to create their, their marketing and their branding and their selling. And it's um, separate from their actual teaching and spiritual guidance work. So I think there's one distinction to make there. But in terms mm -hmm. of 
toxic new age thinking that I'm referring to. It's more just like this kind of worldview that we've all sort of accepted of like, um, for me, it's like, if you're in a spiritual tradition, whether it's yoga or what, whatever it is you're doing, but I'll, I'll just take yoga because um, that's sort of my background uh, in terms of the yoga asana that I um, teach and guide, but it does though that when you do research into the history of yoga and trying to piece back together where it comes from, like I read a few books where it feels like the author is like, well, because there's so many different ideas of what yoga can be throughout time, there is no one yoga. And like, I definitely agree. But I also, mm -hmm. there seems to be a conclusion that uh, you can kind of chop and dice and do whatever you'd like, like it's a buffet. And mm -hmm. so I'm talking about when I say that's toxic new age thinking because new age thinking, um, you know, from the 60s and 70s, uh, it's, it really is so permissive um, in terms of um, having different spiritual lineages mishmashing together. And there was that freedom that the, that the people at the time were really gravitating to, you know, trying to shake off the bonds of like really constrictive 1950s conservative like lifestyles. But like, again, when you think about the people back then, like a lot, a lot of that thinking um, comes from a very privileged place. And I, I, for me, like what I'm trying to get at here is really just trying to bring back this question of, uh, bring back this theme of reverence and mystery and uh, asking like, where are the teachers, right? And like um, toxic new age thinking for me doesn't like to cite sources. It likes to just focus on the individual. And again, there isn't that community element of acknowledging that like, these traditions have been passed down. There are people who've dedicated their whole lives to this. And it's like, we're almost doing a disservice to our own spiritual practices. when we don't do our own research, do our own self-study, don't um, talk about these teachers who have you know, existed for thousands of years and kind of interact with their work. Uh, but I think like for us, what we're talking about is that practice of discernment. Um, like discerning who is the right teacher for you. Find people that we can really trust to start to build that discernment. Because um, I feel like the number of times we see someone that has like a million followers, two million followers, and then all of a sudden news comes out about stuff they were doing behind the scenes. Um, mm. But I think that's also a note of like not placing people on pedestals. Um, and I think that's something even in our program, we were talking about where our best teacher lies within um, mm. and not constantly seeking externally to ourselves. Um, and I think that even moves forward into um, a really big idea that led us to create the Women of Color Summit. Um, and we've seen a lot of people kind of loosely throwing this term around um, is decolonization. So moving away from like the colonized worldviews in which we've been living in, and particularly in North America, um, looking at things like land back and reparations to indigenous communities. Um, but then if, we, if we're looking at like decolonization within the wellness spiritual space, for mm -hmm. us, it's about moving away from these systems of oppression towards being in harmony with our indigenous wisdom and collective liberation. Um, like it's a lifestyle that requires a lot of slowing down and requires a lot of work. And I feel like people don't necessarily want to do that work. They just want to say, I am now a spiritual teacher. I know what decolonization is, follow me without actually having done any of the work when these things take years and years of time. Um, and so for us, it's like, how do we create like communities and people that can practice discernment to uh, start to understand what this means and how do I implement it into my life and not get like swept into like flashy social media trends, like this person mm -hmm. looks cool. Um, and I think a big part of that for us is like deprogramming. Like, how do we create equity for one another? Um, how do we create spaces where you can speak freely and authentically? Um, how do we start to place 
more weight in collaboration over competition. And that's like, mm -hmm. we've gone into that when looking at like a scarcity mindset, looking at tokenization. Um, and like a really big, and two like last points that are really big for us is like having a relationship with our ancestors in nature. Mm -hmm. um, like sometimes the answers we seek are not on our laptop. They're not on a social media post. Like they're literally in you going to a forest and sitting down and just like letting the wisdom come. But that takes time mm -hmm. and effort. And I don't necessarily know if a lot of people want to do that. Um, and the last point around that is like using the privilege we hold for social justice. Mm -hmm. So in creating that equity for others, what understanding what privileges do we hold? And then mm -hmm. how do we go out into our, and I'm seeing a lot of people talking about this as like, yes, we can post things on social media, but what are you doing for your local communities? Mm -hmm. um, and that's a shift that I'm, cause I just moved from New Orleans um, to Tongaland, mm -hmm. um, Los Angeles. And something I'm, it's becoming more top of mind for me is like, how do I make a difference in my local community and not just say something on social media? Mm -hmm. Um, in an episode with Cheyenne Martinez, it was towards the beginning of the podcast, we talked about um, the difference between posting on social media versus actually making a difference and actually learning. Um, and um, can you talk a bit more about community in general? But first, I'll ask about what you said, Harpender, about giving back to the community and, and how do we do that in our local communities? I was thinking back to in high school, um, by the time I graduated, I had accumulated the most hours of community service out of anyone in my class. There was like 500 people um, by far. Like I was just like leaps and bounds ahead. Um, but at that age, I even more fully understand, understood like, acts of service and like helping others and whether that's like mm -hmm. finding a local like grassroots organization that helps um homeless folks um, or, ho or folks without homes um whether it's like trying to find like mutual aid organizations whether it's offering like yoga and wellness to communities at a lower cost I think there's so many different ways to get involved in our local community. Um, Cause I think there's a part of this as well is in our Western societies, like we live in our apartments, we live in our houses and we have no idea who our neighbors are. Mm -hmm. um, and we live like further away from our friends. We live further away from our families. So how do we start to almost create these like spider webs of community of starting to actually make a difference where we are? And I think that was a little bit difficult with like COVID last year, where we all had to kind of go inside and be with ourselves. But what that also meant is those folks that didn't have any connections, didn't have access to computers, didn't have this privilege of say people that have tech jobs were hit even harder by COVID. But how do we, if we say we're spiritual practitioners, have awareness of these things, look beyond our own perspective to see other people that are suffering and see what we can do to help. And so I think a part of that is like starting to look around and see who needs help. And a lot of that is also getting out of our own ways. And instead of, and for me, like I, ha I have mental health issues, like I have anxiety um, at times, I have depression. And for me, sometimes when I fall into that, it becomes a very like, me obsessive type thing and then I have to get out of it by being like okay if I stay here I'm literally not I'm not able to help anyone I'm not not only am I not helping myself I'm not mm -hmm. able to help anyone else either um so I think it's like and I think that's why meditation is so important why doing yoga asana is so important it's starting to build our perspective to be able to see outside of just ourselves. Um, and you also touched on something, both of you, Irene, you also mentioned this as well um, about the communities that we're trying to help, can they actually pay for our offerings? We don't have to spend a lot of time on it, but I would, I would like to hear either of you expand on that. Um, I think the root of this also is compassion. 
like how do we hold compassion for folks that might not to might not be able to access these resources um, and start to again like build out a perspective to start to think about those people yeah. um, in the coaches space and like the mindset coaches space where they'll say like oh it, to me it's just ludicrous like it's just again we're making it so like we're making it internalized or we're making that person feel bad that oh my god it's my mindset and it's like mm-hmm. no you're just making ten dollars an hour and like yeah um there is definitely a financial barrier for most people in terms of accessing wellness i mean again just looking at the yoga example i mean the things that you have to buy to do a practice where you really don't need to buy anything like you don't really need a yoga mat don't really need yoga clothes to do this practice Mm -hmm. but this is what we're talking about we talk about the commodification of this wellness practice but um yeah, going back to this question of like, who are you trying to serve? And are you only targeting people with money? And then that kind of makes it so that wellness is not accessible to all. And so with the Women of Color Summit, we have um, made accessibility, uh, financial accessibility, um, something that we've thought about and tried to um, uh, try to make it so it's less of a barrier for folks. And so for the first summit, as well as with the second summit, we have um, given away a certain amount of uh, free, completely full ride scholarship ticket passes to attend our summit. No questions asked. You just, you know, check out with your ticket and you go um, and uh, offer things like partial and full uh, payment plans for our um, group program, which has just ended and um, for the summer. And uh, those are just ways where you can signal to people um, that you are, um, you know, aware that not everyone can afford to pay this uh, amount of money or this chunk of money at a time. And like, speaking of the pandemic, it has been nice to see as well that like with online retailers, there are well, not just online retailers, but just um, people in general are offering payment plans is becoming much more normalized. And I'm really glad to see that because um, it's just so much more of a relief and more of a breath of fresh air. At least I know for me, whenever I'm looking at things, um, it's nice to know that like I can have those chunks breaking up. And it's just like, how can you um, continue to like think of ways to bring in other people who may not have the same resources as you, right? Like how can you be understanding? Because yes, we all have to get paid, but we can all work. There's not just one way to get there. Um, and, and in terms of accessibility, like there's financial as well, but also just like thinking about um, accessibility in terms of even like accessing this podcast recording, like is there a transcript? Um, if you did, if you did video for, uh, per se, like, is, is there closed captioning? Like there's all these other mm-hmm. things that are factored in as well. Like I've, I feel like I've seen like so many posts and like people talking about, um, and particularly this is like a little bit more rampant within like the coach, um, on the way society values certain jobs and education, like you don't have the funds for that, but how do we create space for you to like have that equity to rise up instead of making you feel bad? It's just your mindset that's not letting you spend money on this. Like if you just get past mm. the fear, like you actually have enough money. And it's like, how do you know that? <laughs> like that's such a bold right. claim to make. And it's like, what if that person doesn't actually have the money to pay for something that may cost thousands of dollars and Mm -hmm. it's like we're focusing on like it's that person's fault Mm -hmm. for not being able to have the money it's their mindset instead of societally where are they positioned that spiritual bypassing that happens right (laughs) this is what happens Mm -hmm. by these concepts and wellness and use it to um, as a weapon to weaponize against people who genuinely want to um, grow and yeah to want to grow and develop themselves. Mm. Mm. Thank you for using the word weapon. I think that's so true that not only is there a price barrier but there's shame and there's blame and yeah, it targets people who can't afford, and then they feel as if it's their fault that they can't afford those services as well. And Harpender, you began to touch on community when you were talking about um, 
you know, really giving back to the local community and how meditation can be really helpful in getting out of our own selves and starting to focus on community. I was wondering if you could uh, maybe dive more into the importance of community. Yeah, I can um, speak to this to begin with. Um, I think for us, this sense of building community um, also means not perpetuating oppression. So it's when we come in community with other folks, like how do we come to it with like eyes and like a mind of compassion? Um, So seeking to understand the other person, not write them off. Um, I I think it's also like redefining power structures from like power over someone to power with. Um, And so trying to make spaces very collaborative. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think there's also parts of it of inviting people in, um, of wanting to actually get to know people instead of only like viewing people for what they can offer for you. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it's also, and we speak a lot about this in our summits and our programs, perfectionism is not the goal. Um, Mm -hmm. Like sometimes in building connections, it's going to be messy. Um, Like, we might say something that offends someone, but how do we listen, take that feedback and be accountable? This episode is sponsored by the Women of Color Summit. The Women of Color Summit is an equitable community organization focused on creating safe and inclusionary spaces for women and non-binary people of color to share stories and knowledge as well as to make impactful change. Currently, the Women of Color Summit has enrollment open for their 12-week group program, Deepening Your Spiritual Practices in Community. This is a container for folks looking to deepen their spiritual practice in a mindful, loving community. This will be a brave space for transformational self-care where you'll be seen and supported. They'll be exploring this connection to source and to community by using specific tools like meditation, ancestral work, breath work, lunar magic, tarot, and asana. There's going to be amazing guest facilitators, healers, mentors to continue to build this community and space. If you're interested in applying for this winter cohort to begin in mid-November, feel free to go to thewomanofcolorsummit.com to apply for the waitlist. You can also find the link in the Woman of Color Summit Instagram, and you can apply there as well. about creating community more like logistically if we think about nitty-gritty like how do we actually do it um i think this is where the positives of social media comes in um because we are able to if we're looking at it from an online network standpoint like start to find people that are in alignment reach out to them have these zoom calls um we can join like online programs that's how me and irene met and start looking for um people and programs that feel like they would be a good fit Um, and start building community in that way and like finding um, either spiritual centers or yoga studios although Mm. I kind of say that with like a "Mm," um, that like fit within the kind of people um, that you're looking for because I know for me like moving from New Orleans to now LA like I realized just like last Friday after talking to my therapist I was like oh I'm a little lonely, Um, Mm. but how do I hold space for that loneliness and how like, like completely normal that is. And it's like acknowledging that loneliness. And I was like, okay. And then I started doing some research and like found like all these events and like all the, like I found a yoga studio that's like BiWalk owned. Mm. Um, And I think that first step is acknowledging like, what is it that you want? Um, And Sometimes the universe just drops it in your lap. And some of it is like you going out. Mm. Yeah, so true. Um, I love what you said, Harpender, about um, the community you build with yourself and how that um, 
attracts um, the community and the people that are um, looking for the same things because it's true. Like, um, you know, me and Harpenter met at a decolonization mentorship um, and we were paired up as accountability buddies. And at the time, you know, I really wanted to learn from our teacher. And, you know, if I, if I made connections, that would be great too. But, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't trying to like, <laughs> I guess it was always in the back of my head to like manifest that. Um, but um, yeah, it was, it was interesting to see like how, how that synchronicity happens and how we met each other at this very interesting point in our lives right before the pandemic started. And yeah, I mean, I about like our, like how we met each other because it's just like one of the most um, like present stories of like, oh, that's like so interesting of like how people just like come to you. But like, yeah, it, it can be something really beautiful. Like when you work on yourself, when you are um, doing this inner work on yourself and you see that translate to like the people in your life that you're now calling in. Like when I quit my job, it wasn't just, you know, Harpender, but also other people in the wellness space that started you know, reaching out to me and like striking up friendships with me. And like, that's when I was like being the most authentic to myself because I wasn't pretending anymore to just be this corporate communications drone. Um, the only thing I would like to add to like this question that you asked Samantha um, is just that like, you know, just because there is a group of people doesn't mean that there is necessarily a community. Mm. And like, again, I'm yeah, and actually what Harbinger was saying is just like a community really is a place that empowers people to feel and actually be seen and heard, you know? And as I think we've talked about throughout this episode, not not a lot of places, even in wellness, really, really offers that, right? Because in wellness, there there is actually quite a power hierarchy there and a lot of abuse that happens that allows people. Mm-hmm sort of question the value of their own spirit and their own strength. And I think that for community to be, for us to really have community in mind and to really build that and to keep tending to that, I think there needs to be an understanding of a holistic worldview of understanding that you and I are part of a whole. Because I think that there can be this like myth of the individual that happens in the West, really romanticize the lone wolf. Um, and it's because they're relatable, right? Like it's it's relatable to feel like we don't always belong, but like, um, yeah, how can we sort of reconcile that worldview with the worldview that like, we are all um, parts of a whole, right? And we all have something to contribute. We can all switch roles. I can be a student in one community and be a teacher and a facilitator in another. Like we all have so much to learn from each other. And it's when we do that kind of like ego work, shadow work, um, where we can be at peace and an acceptance of who we are and who we will be in the future that I think that we start to have these amazing connections happen. Mm. Thank you, Irene, and thank you for what you said that just because people are together doesn't necessarily make them a community. And I also love to hear how the both of you met and how serendipitous that was. I think that's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing. It's, um, yeah, internet friends. (laughs) (laughs) Now we're best friends. (laughs) Um, But I think like a piece of that as well as we were talking and like this kind of goes into like the class we had yesterday is also like protecting our energy um and I really liked what Irene said like just because there's a group of people doesn't mean it's your community so I think it's also if you're entering into a space you're like oh I want to join this community but if you're not being seen or heard or if you're feeling like things are off um also knowing when to walk away um and like, like knowing who is right for you um and I think the older I've gotten the more I'm just realizing like obviously not everyone is for everyone and also knowing when I need to like ramp my boundaries up to say like hey the what you just said or what you just did was unacceptable to me um and that this is how it made me feel 
Um, and if that person is willing to listen, being able to potentially continue that friendship or relationship or if it was so early on where it doesn't, it's just like, no, it's not going to happen. So I think a part mm-hmm. of it also, as Irene was saying, is also knowing like when to walk away um, and like knowing that not everyone is meant for us and not every like community is meant for us. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you for highlighting um, and expanding on what Irene said. I think you're so right. Um, and knowing when to set those boundaries, how to set those boundaries, and then how to eventually perhaps walk away if that's what's best for you is so important and can be so challenging as well to learn. Yeah, I think that um, really nicely summarizes all that we do from very like a very top level. Um, for us, what's really important is uplifting the voices and work of Black Indigenous women of color, including those self-identifying as women. Um, So for us, like we really saw this um, inaccessibility in the wellness space, this um, whitewashing that was happening of um, white folks being presented as either experts or leaders within like Mm -hmm. yoga, within like traditional Chinese medicine, Um, And for us, it was like, how do we as women of color be the ones to reclaim our ancestral indigenous practices, to reclaim our voices and have these safe spaces, brave spaces to be able to um, find community, find others that look like us and understand Mm -hmm. like the struggles that we maybe have experienced in the past or are currently experiencing um, and be able to find that community. And it's just been um, me and Irene just yesterday, because it was a day of celebration with our closing ceremony. We're really reflecting on, um, we we started talking about all these topics like back in February, March of 2020. And like now here we are almost a year and a half later and like what an impact we feel like we've made and like all the people that have reached out saying, because of you, um, I've started to understand like, what my ancestral practices are. I have a deeper like wanting to know um, who is in my family. What does that look like? Um, Wanting to um, reclaim like beauty narratives and wanting to build community and build these collaborations. Um, So it's been really impactful impactful for us as well. Um, And I love it. I love doing this work. Yeah, we literally quit our jobs to do the work. (laughs) so yeah wow congratulations and congratulations on being able to quit your job and do this really meaningful and impactful work and that's so exciting thank you you're welcome um wow so I want to dive into all of the things that you just said. Um, I know that your most recent uh summit was around the art of authentic living um And I think that I understand that from context clues, but I would love to hear about what authentic living means to each of you and what that summit looked like. Yeah. Um, So I like to kind of, you know, before we even talk about authentic living, I feel like we have to talk about creative living because Mm -hmm. with the first summit, our main desire, our main impulse was to really um, inspire and uplift and celebrate Um, BIWOC leaders who are doing really amazing work in the wellness community. So our focus in the first summit was that focus on um, that uplift, upliftment and the more positive narrative because, you know, sometimes when we talk about um, BIWOC communities, there can be um, a centering of grief around pain. What is it called? They call torture, torture porn, you know, it's like Mm -hmm. the on our weaknesses, on our, um, on our challenges, on our struggles. And there's not a lot of um, emphasis and um, exploration into our creativity, right? Mm-hmm. And we are so creative. And so that's really where that impulse for the first summit came about. But by the time that we were creating the second summit, it was during the winter season, you know, cycles, seasonal living, you know, we're thinking about death, we're thinking about regeneration, we're thinking about transformation. And, um, you know, I know that Harpenter was going through some stuff and she was really the one who um, really brought this idea of the theme of authenticity because uh, 
to be creative, you also need to be authentic with who you are. And that means being able to work with all aspects of yourself. So it's not just the things that you love about yourself, the things that you want to improve about yourself, but the things that you might not want to acknowledge about yourself, right? The things that scare you, the things that embarrass you. And um, I, at least for me, that was what I was really drawn to about this theme of the art of authentic living, because it's like, we're not always going to be um, like we look like on our resume or on our Instagram. And so how do we honor that and still show up? Yeah, no, that is definitely um, like so well put, Harpender. Like when we're trying to be a certain way, we're not living authentically. Um, so as we close the episode, I'd like to ask both of you some of the questions that I ask my guests at the end of every episode. The first one being, what would you tell your younger self knowing all that you know today? Yeah, so um, I love these questions. <laughs> and um, if I had to go back and tell my younger self, I would really tell my younger self um, two things, which is that one, your mistakes don't define you. And number two, is don't stay small so like explore your interests and don't be afraid if those interests are different from each other mm, thank you Irene I love don't be afraid that your interests may be different thank you for that yeah, yeah I think I would tell my younger self um the things that make you feel and seem so weird and different um, when you're young, like your super thick eyebrows are going to be replicated by everyone when you get older and seen as like this like mark of beauty. Um, mm -hmm. So things that you felt ashamed for, for being young and like wanting to be white, um, know that like that's not true and that's just society in which you were living in. Um, and so not having shame for those things. Um, Cause I think like for me personally, and I think this is a common story, like if we're like women of color growing up in this Western society, like being really young, um, is we view like our say facial features and like our body features that make us different to be bad. Um, mm -hmm. and instead it's like celebrating that and like reclaiming that as like how beautiful those things are. Mm. That was a beautiful answer. And the last question that I'll ask both of you is, what does empowered spirituality mean to you? So I, it immediately made me think of um, liberation. You know, empowered spirituality is anything that leads you to liberation, um, not further bondage. And so this really comes from um, Satchitananda's uh, commentaries on potentially Zoga Sutras, where he mentions in the chapter one about how um, even the desire for liberation is bondage in and of itself. So I think that when, we, when we're thinking about empowered spirituality, it is what, what is it that is allowing me to move in freedom, in alignment with um, my higher self, right? And, and in terms of bondage, what is keeping me um, moving from like, um, the parts of me that are scared, that are fearful, that are jealous. So that's that's kind of how I think about uh, my spiritual practice and how how it feels empowering for me versus perhaps um, extractive or destructive or um, you know those those parts of my spirituality that I am uh, decolonizing actively and currently right now. Oh wow, Irene, thank you. That was beautiful. Yeah, this is a really big question. What does empowered spirituality mean to me? Um, I think what that makes me first think of is how do I keep um, my spirituality as a part of who I am always instead of it being something I turn to like as the last thing of my day or like the last thing on my list how do I like keep spirituality um, as something interwoven into my very being and that I think about in every interaction that I have? Because um, I think it's taking spirituality and the learnings of like, whether it's compassion or speaking about liberation 
um, or whether it's like taking moments to step back so we respond from a place of like more balance instead of reacting and how do I implement that into every part of my life um, instead of it being something I just do I just go on my mat for one hour boom my spiritual practice is done now I can go back to being an asshole and it's like no how do I like take these practices and things that I'm learning and actually weave that into my life I love that answer. I love both of them. Thank you both so, so much. Um, and before we go, is there anything that we didn't touch on that you would like to say? I don't have anything else to say, um, except thank you so much for inviting us to be on this podcast, Samantha. We are super excited to, you know, have shared this time and this energy with you. Um, yeah, it's been really lovely. Thank you. It's been so lovely to get to meet you both, get to hear about the amazing work that you're doing, and also hear um, your friendship story and how that you're moving that friendship into this place of, of working together. Yeah, thank you so much, Samantha, for having us on. Um, it's been such a pleasure um, to chat over this last hour, um, and I hope that everyone that listens to this like takes what resonates with them like leaves the rest um but I really enjoyed this conversation so thank you so much for inviting us on um and yeah talking this past hour as I began the journey of shifting my career to a job that aligned with my values and beliefs having an education in health coaching has been transformational through the Institute of Integrative Nutrition, you can become a certified health coach to empower your relationship with food, health, and wellness, live your dreams, earn while you learn, and embark on a new path. Join the global community of like-minded change agents who are here to empower, inspire, and motivate you to create the life you've always dreamed of by clicking the link in the show notes. And by doing so, you'll receive $2,000 off tuition when you pay in full or $1,500 off tuition if you choose the payment plan option. Or you can mention my name, Samantha Nagel, spelled N-A-G-E-L. Discover how to take a holistic and nourishing approach to health and wellness today. Mm -hmm.